Welcome to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast. An ongoing conversation with ministry leaders about embracing complexity and uncertainty with joy and faithfulness. Hi, this is Adam with the Ministry Collaborative. And once again, it's just a privilege of mine to be with my friends, Bianca Howard, Cal Bender, and Brittany Porch, continuing this really rich and challenging conversation around ministry to youth. We're excited to share with our listeners that Bianca, Brittany, and Kyle will be co-facilitating a cohort focused on youth and families starting in just a few months, and anyone interested should reach out to our staff. One thing we touched on in our last conversation together that I, I really want to explore more is just the ministry systems we inhabit and their ability to learn from youth ministry, to adapt as necessary, and to also just name the inability in some systems to do that. So I think for our listeners, what would be really helpful is to say, as you talk to your youth ministry colleagues around the country, what keeps coming up that you wish churches understood about youth ministry? I would say that it's beyond red Kool-Aid and hot dogs and (laughs) pizza. Yes, we can have food, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> but for those that are churches that don't have a lot of resources, or don't really understand the youth ministry, there's a lot of small churches that don't really have the resources or understand it. There's got to be more beyond the little typical gatherings. I talked about the basics before, and I think those basics work. But if you have it to do it, you got to put some financial support behind the youth ministry and help resource it and create more than what some churches are doing, like the whole mental health piece and talking and bringing up things that are beyond just youth choir or those typical things and make sure that you bring somebody in that is trained. There's a lot of churches that do not have trained youth workers and especially in today's society. So I think just putting a little bit of more umph behind it and not just the pastor or Sunday mornings, but there's got to be more that can be done. I'd say uh, we got to stop fighting the larger culture. Like, If kids would just take church as seriously as they take soccer, they don't control when practice is and that they don't get to play in the game if their coach says so. Like stop being so angry at the things they love and what makes them whole and just love them for when you get them. You don't know what it's like to be a 15-year-old right now. Mm -hmm. You have no idea what it was like to do schooling in the pandemic. You don't know what it's like to have social media at your fingertips. You have no idea. And youth are experts of their own experience and like listening to them and honoring the truths that they know about what it's like to live and grow up right now is so important. So just stop being so angry at like the culture (laughs) shift. Like we don't get to control the larger culture. Like we can try what we're not going to control it. And so how do you build ministry and programs and relationships amidst this culture of busyness, amidst this culture where kids are involved in lots of really amazing things? Brittany, as you were talking, I was just thinking about how youth ministry is often the low hanging fruit. You know, if there was a mess in the church, it's like, oh, probably youth ministry did it. But (laughs) as you were talking, I was just thinking, oh man, we're still there. It's like, Don't put your anxieties of the adult world that adults can't figure out all onto, well, we've got to figure this out in the next generation. 
and take all your anxious thoughts and all your anxious feelings about that and just place it on the youth ministry. Because I think one of the things I would hear from colleagues often is that this is just really hard. Mm -hmm. This is a hard season. And we have systems and structures that sometimes get in the way of us trying to experiment because we hold some nostalgia. You know what we talked about in the first episode, there were some things that really worked, but they just don't work anymore. And this is a season of, yeah, we want to hold on to some structures, but we also have to take risks and experiment. And this is a season of where, Adam, I'm reminded of a conversation you and I have been in where we can't just good idea our way out of this. This isn't a time of just a tactical solution or one good idea that's going to help us. This is an emerging, adaptive situation that we're not going to have both feet on the ground to be running tomorrow just because we come up with some good idea So don't put your anxiety on the younger generation. We all have our own. This is a trying moment. And what would it be like to ease some of that pressure and experiment together? Well, and I think connecting both what you and Bianca say, Kyle, is that we have this budget line item at my church that's called New Initiatives. It's $2,000. It's been there for 10 years and it never gets like transformed into like whatever we end up using it for. It's just always this creative play budget. And I love that idea that like we need to have some money to experiment and play with. We need pastors to be unabashedly supportive of this and on our team as we like try to do new things. And if they don't work, that's fine. Like we tried something like and we learned something from it. I think that's so important when we just didn't change things for so many decades and now we're like changing everything. It can feel like uneasy and I'm not saying change everything every week. That's wild. But how do we really experiment with what is meeting the needs of our young people these days? I think it also goes back to asking them and getting their input. Kind of like you were saying what the churches need to hear. It's like, The adults are making all the decisions when the kids are the ones, the youth, the young people are the ones that really know what they need and know what they like to see. And they were like, well, I will come to that because we're putting it on or whichever. So, again, bringing them in the room, hearing their voices and us not making all the decisions all the time, but uh, really engaging them and hearing their thoughts and their feelings about ministry in the church and what brings them here besides their parents every Sunday. Well, and in my denomination, like we have committees and our structures built in that we ask our youth maybe to join that may not fit their world. Mm -hmm. So like, how do you maybe have a committee that fully functions via text or forget committee, come up with a better word like team or leadership opportunity? Like, how do we get their input in ways that actually work for them versus in the structures we already hold. Yeah, Brittany, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was just about to say the same thing, that one of the missteps we've made in listening to youth is that we have this assumption that, Kyle, to your point about good idea our way into the future, is that we want to ask them, what do you think we should do? Or do you want to be on this committee? And I'm more interested in more informal listening of what's important to you right now? What is meaning to you? I mean, just deeper questions that I think most kids aren't frequently given the opportunity to explore. So I I think it's a great word, an instructive one. Yeah, Bianca and Adam, y'all are touching on just, yeah, well, ask them, but ask them in a way to really listen and to really learn. Without the agenda of the next thing we're going to do is take what you say and turn it into a program. <laughs> but what if this were a season of listening and learning hmm. and letting that actually soak in and sink in 
and try to deepen our understanding before we rush to a solution or a tactical solution or a program. I've just reminded the importance of really, really listening and learning and letting it linger for a minute before we rush to a solution. Well, I think so many of my youth ministry colleagues, too, are like, but it's my job. I work X amount of hours a week and I have to have like product and output. And so like, what if we reframe instead of the director of youth ministry, it was like pastoral care for youth ministry, like Mm -hmm. half of their job is sitting and being and listening Mm -hmm. and that be good enough instead of numbers and hours and big fancy posters. I came from a context of a really successful youth ministry and making change was always really hard because it had such a great history of success in numbers. And so sometimes those things are still in our minds. But the pandemic was a great disruption in the way that you couldn't do that anymore. And one of the mantras that came to us during that time was like, I'm sure we're stealing this from someone, but do for one what you wish you could do for many. Mm-hmm. And this does feel like a season where we can even be a little more biased to really particular things like mental health and other things. Use this as a season to do for one what you wish you could do for a lot. And don't be afraid to be biased towards the real issues that we're seeing right now. You know, it's a good follow up to what Brittany said about the different roles that we play and how we even reframe them entirely. I wonder, along with that, What is the role of others in the church with this? You know, we talked about in our first episode, the things that stick, the things that are sustainable. And I think about my own experience and how incredibly valuable it was to have other adult volunteers essentially mentor me through a couple of years of youth group. I wonder, how do you see that sort of role evolving? You know, it's always been something that when you talked about youth, having those kinds of people in their life is so important. But how do you see that in the landscape right now? One of my favorite things is just to ask adults to show up at games, concerts, plays. And it's not me, but I just tell the youth, like, hey, this adult's going to be there if you want someone to sit with. If you want someone to be awkward with. Yeah, it's so (laughs) awkward. I'm sorry, but, like, youth don't really want to be around adults on paper, and adults really don't want to be around youth on paper. But when we start to break apart that relationship. My other thing is I'm constantly trying to train the congregation to ask good questions, not where are you applying to college for the love of God? That is a bad question. Like that is a question that promotes anxiety and worry and acts like we value them based on one thing. One of my favorites that works every time is what's their favorite candy. These kids still love candy. They are kids. And Thinking about, like, what are you watching? What are you reading? And helping them equip better questions for Narthex lobby conversations versus the ones that they have become so accustomed to that are actually like a toxic model of questioning. I would go back to the intergenerational piece that you're bringing up that is extremely needed. There's a lot of families or parents who no longer have kids in their home that can integrate into the youth ministry and really help out. They may be a couple generations beyond them, but I think integrating them into it besides just every now and then and not just making it other like, oh, the the youth are over there or they do their own thing, but really integrating that piece. Our VBS is 
everybody. We have adult classes all the way up to nursery. It's a family thing. And the teachers are, could be 60 year olds teaching, you know, the 12th graders, but that's bringing that intergenerational piece in and being intentional about it. And I like kind of what Brittany was saying, reframing questions. It's not just about what's your future look like asking those hard questions that most 16 year olds don't have any idea yet, but just like getting to know them, just spending time with them and back to that relational piece is needed and not just, oh, the youth are over there. We don't need to do anything with them, but you got to integrate it within the congregation. When I thinking about the model question too, Bianca, like, well, the model was to get youth advisors forever. Amen. And they have to commit to 30 Sundays a year or whatever. Well, what if you just know someone in the church who loves to cook meals? Maybe that's like their one-off experience of connecting with the youth group once a year. So you're going to have different tiers of like ways you can do it. You're going to have your adults who build like these deep, long-lasting relationships, but also invitations in the church for the youth and the other adults to connect in smaller ways. Absolutely. I think a lot of times we go to parents and if we're talking about what the church needs to know or the senior leadership, it doesn't always have to be the parents that can be a support to the youth. It can be, you know, those empty nesters or a a single person or anything. And we know as parents, we're the ones trying to get them to do things. We're tired as well. So using different forms, different people to do different things from the smallest to the largest uh, task. So exactly, Brittany. Yeah. And a quote I always come back to actually from Orange where Bianca is that is, you know, the greatest asset your church has to helping young people know God is not your programs, your facilities, your youth pastor, you know, it's people who actually know God. That's the greatest asset we have, right? And so in some ways, let's make this simple. Let's just connect people together who know God to do things, things we care about, things that actually matter, things that are just fun. And let's see how God shows up in the midst of that. There's this one... um... 80 something year old in my church who I just, I go to her to like my barometer of is the world falling apart? I'm like, Betty Lou, are you okay? Like, how are we doing? And like, she comforts me so much when she's seen so much of the world and is able to put things in a perspective for me. And so like, I'm constantly trying to give our young people that too. Were there people who lived during a war where they felt it was not a good idea to have kids, where our kids are asking these same questions with the climate crisis? How do we help them share story and connect And sometimes in just the mundane, like, yeah, I don't know much about God, but I still keep showing up here every week. I have no large crisis in my life that led me here, but I'm just an ordinary person trying to figure out faith, life, and love. Yeah, and it seems like a common thread through all of this, too, is what you just said, Brittany, and that is learning how to get proximate to the mundane, ordinary parts of kids' lives that doesn't have an agenda, that doesn't have an invitation attached, that has to do with belonging to one another intergenerationally too. I will say too, as someone who attends a congregation in this season of life as a layperson with my family and with three young children, one of the things we look at is, oh, I have three young girls. And so we look at, oh, wow, there's some really wonderfully mature, older women in this church that we could have in our girls' lives. And so I'll just say from the perspective of a layperson, I think things like that are really important. And I'm really encouraged to hear the way you all describe it. 
I've really enjoyed this series of conversations with you all. And just a reminder to folks that for those who would like to continue in these conversations, we're thrilled that the three of you will be co-leading a cohort together that will start later this year. And people are welcome to email me or any of our staff about it. And as we wrap up the series of conversations, I would love to know what is your message for your clergy colleagues, not just in youth ministry, but in senior staff and in other contexts across the country? I think we'll address this in our cohort too, but youth ministry is really hard right now. We have a huge set of challenges ahead of us, trying to figure out the best way to be in kids' lives. So join our cohort to dream, create, and basically support one another too. But I I just want pastors to be on our side, be in our team, help us, dream with us. Don't leave us alone in the desert, but also have our back because changing and new. It's not always everyone's cup of tea. And I think that it can get hard in the trenches and youth leaders really need um, the support of the whole staff and the leadership of the church. And for churches that you're not having paid staff in this area, still take it seriously with volunteer roles and take that deeply and work with them on your creativity. Because I've seen some of the best youth ministry come out of some of the smallest churches with one or two youth. Those kids feel so connected, so relationally part of the story and really integrated in the system. So there's no church too big, too small to have um, ministry with young people. Kind of back on what Brittany's saying, tag it on to that. We're all in this together. Pastor, senior leadership is having it hard all the way down, trickling down. Everybody's having it hard. And so we got to work together as one and not just be like an afterthought. Oh, the youth worker is fine, but I have all this stress. We all are under stress and all trying to figure it out right now. And so working as a team and supporting one another and checking in with your youth worker, your youth pastor, and just saying, hey, what can I do this year to help you? What can we do to work together as one? Making sure the youth are not an afterthought or just trying to fill a position. I heard um, a statistic also that one of the hardest positions to fill right now are youth pastors and children's ministers. And so nobody wants to do it or they don't stay long. And so again, supporting who you have right now, (laughs) thanking God you do have somebody that does want to work with them. And so undergird them and support them while they're doing it so that they will not leave as well. Look at it as a team effort and not just us against them. If you don't have somebody, don't just focus on oh, we got to hire somebody, but what can the church do holistically to not forget the youth? What can the church as one or the senior leadership say, you know what, let me do something or let's make this as a team effort to make sure the youth don't fall by the wayside if you can't find somebody and find inventive ways to make sure they're not an afterthought. Yeah, this is a hard moment. And I think it'd be really easy to view all this through a deficit lens. What's broken? What's missing? What do we need to fix? And I think actually this is a really exciting time where we can have a possibility lens um, where we can say, what might we be able to do to show up and meet young people in really amazing and powerful ways? We have the freedom to experiment. We know old models aren't working. And so to not go back to the deficit lens of what's broken, how do we fix this, but to really maybe ask a question of how might I or how might we as a church 
find out what are they anxious about and then dream. How do we show up in those places and resist the temptation for the deficit lens and looking back and kind of lean into the possibility? That's a good word. Amen to that. And thank you again, Bianca, Kyle, and Brittany for this wonderful series of conversations, one that I hope we pick up again in the not too distant future. Thank you. Yes, thank Thank you. you. Thank you for listening to the Ministry Collaborative Podcast, a project of the Macedonian Ministry Foundation. The Ministry Collaborative nurtures a national network of pastors and congregations committed to faithful, creative, and courageous engagement in their communities. Our producer is Marthane Sanders. To find out more about our work of cultivating leadership that makes a difference in congregations and communities, visit our website at www.ministrycollaborative.org.